welcome back to the Baseball Fever Podcast. It's been a while since I've been on here doing uh, recording episodes, but this is our very first episode of 2022, and I'm looking forward to a strong year. I'm here with Sarah today, who's pretty much a regular on this show. I could, I could probably call her a co-host at this point. But hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining today. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm good. And um, so I want to kind of start off this episode with some predictions for some rest of the free agents who are still on the market. Of course, now it's the lockout in MLB, so nothing's going on right now. But we w- wanted to share our predictions for these players. So once the lockout ends, hopefully soon, as soon as possible, that where these players, will, where we think they'll end up. So okay. the first player that I have is Carlos Correa. So where do you see him ending up? To be honest with you, if there's a team willing to bank on him, it would probably be the Dodgers because I don't see the Yankees banking on him, period, even if they really think they're going to. But knowing Cashman and Hal and how this team operates over the years since Jeter and Mo retired, I don't see them spending that kind of money, especially with a player like him. Other people are going to disagree with me, honestly, because there's people that think the Yankees would spend that kind of money. But I honestly see them with the Dodgers because their literally bank account looks bigger than ours. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with that, especially the points you made about the Yankees. And I don't think the Yankees will sign a shortstop to a 10-year contract. I just don't think that's happening with $300 million. And Of course, they have the money if they wanted to, I feel. But they had those two prospects, Anthony Volpe, Oswald, Oswald Peraza, two big shortstop prospects in the minors that are on their way up and coming soon. Mm-hmm. So if you get a, a Correa for a, a nine, ten-year deal even, that's kind of just blocking these young prospects, and you'll end up having to trade them because they're, they're blocked. So, yeah, I definitely don't see Correa coming, going to the Yankees at all, but my prediction would probably be back to Houston. And I do like your prediction with the Dodgers because they just lost out on Corey Seager, and they, they're, used, they're used to having a pretty constant – shortstop there, pretty solid shortstop as well, who's been really good in the postseason for them. But I just have a feeling that Correa will be going back to Houston. I mean, I know like at the end of the year, he kind of acted like, oh, he wasn't coming back. But it's going to depend on how much money he, he these teams offer him. Because I don't know how much they're going to be offering him with that whole situation with, with his back. I know he had that back injury, some kind of speculation with that. So that might prevent him from getting as big of a deal as he wants. Right. So I feel like maybe like maybe he'll end up getting a five, six-year deal because especially once this lockout ends, there won't be much time for these players to sign. Right. Anytime at all. So he right. might have to settle for a deal that he's that really doesn't want. Right. That's what it is because this lockout pretty much screwed up everybody's timeline and everybody's plan and everybody's pretty much train of thought because it's like – but mind you, the thing is, with this lockout, how it ended, how are you going to have Corey Seager being the last one signing? Do you know how bad that looks? That literally just looked like a bomb. It's like, oh, Corey just signed 10 years with the Rangers. Oh, we're going to be in a lockout a day later. That's not how you end to go into a lockout. Because now everybody's, like, thrown off. Like, I know all these Dodger fans are going through, like, a depression stage because you just lost your good shortstop first of all second of all their backup I don't who I don't even know who their backup shortstop is other than it being Trey Turner because I know they were thinking about putting him there or they were thinking about putting Gavin Lux there but at the same time it's like bringing Correa there I know Dodger fans are gonna hate that shit I know I will but listen I would rather him go there and have them deal with him than him coming here 
and he's going to get crap handed to him every single friggin' game for the rest of his life. Not that I'm saying LA won't do that. Of course they will. They'll give him the they'll give him everything. They will give him a mouthful. Just as much as New York, but I feel like the New York market just got three times worse knowing how bad Cashman and Hal are with free agency. And yeah, I, I agree with that. And I feel like it's so ironic too how like two of the teams that need shortstops the most, which is the Yankees and the Dodgers, have like that past with the Astros and the whole cheating scandal. Right. Because you'd think like if, if he wasn't a part of that whole cheating scandal, there's a much better chance that he'd become going to either one of those teams and even right. the Yankees. Right. Like, because I be part like I don't think many people like him as a person. Of course he's a great player. There's no denying that. But me personally, I want to like the players that are on my favorite team. So right. I personally don't want that. I know Yankees fans have been saying, oh, we want the villain on our team. Just not Correa. I just don't like like his like, antics off the field and the way he acts in that way. But, yeah, he's a great player. And, I mean, I, either one of those teams, he would definitely improve the teams. Like, he's definitely going to improve the Dodgers and make, or make, the, make the Yankees a better team because of how good of a player he is. Right. And even going, going back to the one point you said, about how Corey Seager signed that huge contract and then it was kind of just a lockout thing. Like, for example, yeah, the Dodgers, they lost out on their on their, their big their shortstop that he had for years. And right. They don't have a chance to, like, respond to that. Like, no. You really think, okay, Corey Seager's gone, but two days later, we're, we're talking to Correa, we're talking to Story, and oh, we're going to get a shortstop back. Like, there was no chance of that kind of, like, retaliation kind of way, like, get back at them. Like, okay, we lost our shortstop, let's get one back right away. Like right. the, the lockout kind of just came at that time. That's why all those signings were happening on that November 30th, right before the, the whole lockout went down. Yeah. Because no one knew what the future is. Yeah. And just to see, yeah, we can go off the board for that much money and both of them did. And then just kind of end like that. It was just kind of an unfortunate way, like how it just ended so fast and how for so long, it's been over, over a month now at this point. It's January 2nd. Yeah. And it's still, we're still on the lockout. So we don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah. That's the only thing, and it's killing. It's pretty much killing everybody because it's like story. Honestly, I know the Rockies. There, I don't know if they're going to keep him physically. I don't know where he's going to go. If he comes to the Yankees, it's probably going to be through DJ Lemayu because he's the only person I know that Trevor Story pretty much has communication with. That's true. But yeah, other than that, it's like you can't think of Trevor Story going to another team because it's it's I don't see him with the Dodgers. I feel like he's too he's he is similar to Trey Turner, honestly speaking, but I feel like he's he just has like this New York mentality and especially he'll definitely get along with DJ and definitely will get along with Garrett Cole, I could tell you that right now because people will honestly tell you that Garrett Cole has a type when it comes to talking to people, he absolutely does. Players will come into New York and they'll be like, oh, we're just going to go and talk to this person. And we're going to have a conversation with this person. But you could just tell which Yankee players like who and which Yankee players don't. That's true. And yeah, that leads me to my next um, name I had listed was Trevor Story. And I could definitely see him on the Yankees. Like, I definitely see that way about him. And especially considering he's one of his best friends is DJ LeMayu, who's mm-hmm. been on the Yankees for a couple of years, will be here for five years more, I know, on his contract. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm sure DJ will, will end up moving to third base because Glaber will be at second. But that's still, if you have Story to play shortstop, that's the left side of the infield. Two good friends right there. That's yeah, important. they're not necessarily double play partners, but they could be if DJ plays second sometimes and gives Glaber days off or whatever. But like just having that that chemistry, that's what that's what that's a key of that is. Definitely, chemistry. 
And yeah, I do feel like because I know um, the Dodgers have Trey Turner, and I feel like Trey Turner is definitely I would say better than Trevor Story. So I feel like if you're gonna get Trevor Story, if, you might as well just have Trey Turner move back to shortstop. But I guess what then Correa is obviously at the top shortstop on the market. And right. he just won the platinum glove and everything like that. Right. So like, if, you brought, brought, if the Dodgers brought in a guy like him, obviously he's a huge step up. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's much better than Trace Turner. They're both elite shortstops. Right. Second base, second base, middle infielders. But like you bring in someone like that, you want to bring in someone better than you already have. Not like Trevor Story, I can see. I mean, unless you wanted someone for a, a lower deal, but I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to sign Correa to a 10-year contract. You have the money. You have it all. So. Yeah. Right. Because the money they would have been giving to Seager, they can now give to Correa. But at the same time, it's like filling a shortstop for the Dodgers is similar to filling a shortstop for the Yankees. You don't just want to throw somebody in there and be like, you're going to take this role after Corey Seager. You want somebody who's more familiar with that position that can just step right in when they really need the damage done. That's why the Dodgers, I feel like we haven't won a World Series in God in since 2009. So yeah. our pressure is still, uh, honestly, on trying to fill someone after Jeter. That's what we have to worry about. That's true. Championship, know, championship, to be honest with you, isn't even in the right mind of us right now, even if we say 28 is. But at the same time, it's like you have to really think about it. This team... Even with a good shortstop, they're going to need more than a good shortstop. The Dodgers do have bats. They have very good bats. And they have Max Muncy still, who I know is still in recovery mode from his injury. But honestly speaking, we don't have what the Dodgers have. At least when they take the field, you just know they're going to win a game. With us, it's like World War III, where you have to figure out, who am I going to put in to get this last out? Or... If I'm not going to close Chapman, who's going to go in? Or we have to change the shortstop because we don't trust Glaber at shortstop, which we pretty much figured that out last season when we had to put Geo there for some games. That's true. I, you, you, your comparison, the Dodgers and the Yankees, because you Yankees, you thought that the, 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 um, the strength of the team was the offense and the bats. Right. Um, that was not at all what the strength was last year. The pitching was actually much better than expected. Right. But the bats, that, that's what let the team down. Right. So there's just too many holes in the team. The Dodgers have a couple holes they can fill. And the whole thing with Muncie, depending on wherever he comes back. And obviously shortstop after losing Seager. But the Yankees, they need a first baseman. They need a center fielder. Right. They need, I feel I would say they need another two or three starter. They, they need a lot more. And especially the shortstop, that's the most important thing, I would say. But they need a lot of multiple positions. And, yeah, you don't want to fill in, fill in these positions with these mediocre guys. You want to get these get elite players. Yeah, especially the Yankees have that pressure on them, but they haven't won a World Series, haven't made a World Series appearance right. in such a long time. Right. They need, they need to – they have all the pressure on them. The Dodgers just won in 2020. Like, yes. of course, you want to still win. You want to keep that going with that same similar team you have. But the Yankees have the pressure on them. And that's what the issue is with this lockout, too. That right. the Yankees still haven't had the chance to do that. Like, how yeah. much time will they have to improve their roster? Because they really need to improve it. That's why so many Yankees fans were frustrated before this lockout came in the end of November, right before it, that they, had, they hadn't made any moves. Because there's so much that this team needs to improve upon. Right. They haven't done it yet. Right. They haven't moved. And to be honest with you, it's like going back to the next person, Freddie Freeman. He's a World Series champion now. So... I honestly, I pray he stays with the Braves because if he leaves the Braves, 
I understand they still have Dansby Swanson there, but there's a big hole to fill if you let Freddie Freeman go. That man is like how Corey left the Dodgers. You leave a gap, not only in the lineup, but you leave a gap in every fan's heart. Very true. He's like Mr. Brave. That's what you would call him. Literally Mr. Brave. I'm not even kidding. Just like Corey was Mr. Dodger. And to be honest with you, it's like I understand. See, how I thought about it, and I know this is kind of a sketchy comparison, how Dansby and Freddie are with the Braves is how Corey and Cody Bellinger were or were with the Dodgers. It's like you need those two people there. We don't really have that here. If you think about it, you don't kind of have the dynamic duo that you need. If Stanton and Judge are not healthy, we're screwed. You're right. I know you're right because Judge and Stanton carried the Yankees offense last year. Any success that they had pretty much came from them. Right. And yet there's definitely so many holes. And that's why going to Freeman, if for some reason he can't work out a deal with the Braves, I think he's going to the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be such – I mean, I know that I, Freddie belongs with, with the Braves and he should be, be with, stay with the Braves and sign another contract with them throughout the rest of his career. I, I think he's a lifelong Brave. But for some reason, if those two, I think the Yankees is the next best fit because yes. the Yankees, you know, they need the left-handed bats and have someone as good of a defender, hitter, contact hitter. That's just everything the Yankees want. Yes. And of course, the, the next option would be Anthony Rizzo, who I, I would be okay with. He's someone I, I, I would be totally fine with. I wouldn't be concerned about that. But Freddie Freeman, he would be just think of, I mean, he would improve any team he's on. Any right. team he goes to, he's going to make that team a better team. But I think he, I think the Yankees need him most, if, if I'm going to be, if I'm being completely honest. Yes, because if you don't have the outfield is just as vital as the infield with the Yankees. I totally understand, especially with those short porch homers. And when you start bringing Houston and Boston here and Toronto and Tampa Bay, you're going to need that strong infield. That outfield is vital. Don't get me wrong. We have that. But if for some reason, and I get this itchy baseball gods feeling, that Judge will not improve halfway through the season, God forbid, if something goes wrong with him, we're going to need that infield. That's very true. I know. Like, we're going to physically need that infield because that infield is because I know they always bat judge in the number two spot. But if you really, really are looking for balls that need to stay in the infield, you're going to need a good shortstop and first baseman. And Anthony Rizzo's got gold gloves. Don't get me wrong. The only reason why he was on a list last season with us before he moved from the Cubs was because of COVID. The man was never freaking injured, period. Like, I don't know any reason for him to be injured in the first place. If they were to bring back Rizzo, okay, that's fine. But like I said, if they do bring Freddie Freeman here, that's going to leave a gap in Atlanta for the next 1,300 years. You're right. I know. I can't. I can't imagine the Braves without Freddie Freeman, especially considering he just he just helped them win the World Series. I mean, exactly. Everyone loves it. Loves him. Like, there's not many players around that just, just the fan base loves. Everyone in the fan base loves the player. Like, yes. You see Derek Jeter and things like that. Yes. But like Freeman's one of those guys, and yes, I, I just can't imagine how upsetting that would be if he doesn't end up with them. And it would just be 
It's honestly wouldn't even be Freddie's fault if, if it's like not the money. If it's the money situation, the Braves have to offer him pretty much what he wants. Like, of course, if he's not asking for something so unrealistic, but they have to somehow come to terms. Like, I can't imagine them not doing it. But I mean, you never know. There's a 98% chance he goes back to back to Atlanta. With that 2% chance, you don't know. It could be the Yankees. You just, yeah, you just it could. Know. It could. I mean, a lot of Dodger fans want him, honestly speaking, but I don't see him as a Dodger for some reason. There's just something that just doesn't click. Like, there's no buttons that I can push that makes me see him in a, in a Dodger uniform. I just don't see it. It's like you know when a person just fits there, and you know when a person doesn't. And to be honest with you, it's like, it, it's it's to the point where this team does need a Freddie Freeman. And I, I, I can't even be wrong about that because you just kind of need that person that uplifts the dugout like Rizzo did when he came in, because I know Joey Gallo came in before him. Rizzo was kind of just a bomb drop because Jack Curry, when he announced it, we were like, what is he hinting? And then not even 10, 15 minutes later, Jeff Passan was the one who said it. And we were just like, what the hell's going on? Like, I mean, that was shocking. Yeah. That was just that just threw me off because I was like, and I just remember DJ LeMay, you never talks. He said there was a change in that dugout as soon as Anthony Rizzo walked in. And it was just bizarre that he said that because DJ, like I said, never says a thing. You're right. I know he doesn't really talk much. And yet when you when your team brings in a, a World Series champion, a gold glove defender, first baseman. You have respect for that guy. He's been around for a long time. Really like, long time. And it's true because you mentioned about, like, when Gallo came, it wasn't as much of a surprise at all. Like, because I know we've even heard in the past year that Cashman had him on his radar of Gallo. Like, he Gallo's, he, he's always been known as like, a good fit for, for the Yankees with the short porch and stuff like that. And then finally he came over during the trade deadline last season. But, like, that was someone's name who you've heard a lot. Like, yes. Rizzo. You can't. You, you wouldn't even imagine him leaving Chicago at at points. Yes, like he was, he's loved there. Another player that's loved in their city. Yes, and just to hear about Rizzo coming over that that was shocking to me. But I love that deal, and I think it worked out great. And actually, for my prediction for Rizzo, I think I think he I mean, most realistically that he's going to come back to the Yankees. Yes, I, that's like the most realistic. I, unless unless the whole thing with the Freeman thing works out, but I think Rizzo is the most realistic option and the most yeah. ideal option. Yeah. Yeah, it is the most realistic option, honestly speaking, because, I mean, it's it's a choice with Freeman speaking, but, like, it, it's just, it's weird, because, I see, what I don't understand is why the San Francisco Giants did not give Chris Bryan a contract yet. That's my thing. It's the fact that you made him leave Chicago, and it, 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 it's just, it's so weird. It's like karma hit him pretty good when he went to... San Francisco. So I don't understand why you wouldn't bring him back to the Bay Area, yeah. personally speaking, because he's technically from around that area. So I can understand. But like at the same time, it's like Chris Bryan can play the outfield. That's another thing. He's played the outfield a couple times for the Giants. And I even, and you know me, I don't watch Mets games. I get so fucking irritatingly bored watching them. It pisses me off. And it's just because you need to entertain me. Like, if I'm not physically entertained, I get bored very easily. So when I did watch the Met-Giants games last season, Chris Bryant was a good left fielder. And they sometimes even put him in center field because um, most of their center fielders were these guys from the minor league, from the minor league fields. Even with them, Chris Bryant, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised, too, like, that he didn't get a deal done because of how good he was really solid for, for the Giants. And, and kind of like, 
different from the other players that we've spoken about. Like, he's versatile. He could play a lot of positions. Yes. He could play yes. the infield. He could play the outfield. And that's – you need players like that. And that's what the Yankees have in DJ LeMay who could play three yes. four positions. Yes. Like, you need players that could play and do it well. To not just play there, you could play there. Someone who could actually be a good defender at these multiple positions. Yes. And my ultimate, ultimate prediction is that he goes back to San Francisco. Yes. But another option, I think, is the Mets. Because I've heard recently that the that the Mets will be listening to trade offers with Jeff McNeil, who hasn't really been the same player over the last maybe year or so. Yes. And I'm thinking he's kind of like that utility kind of guy that they have now that could play multiple positions. He could play second, third, outfield. He's played a lot of left last year. But like if I'm thinking that like if the Mets decide to trade him, that opens the door for Chris Bryant. Yes. I mean, I know they the Mets have made, made their, a good amount of moves already with Scherzer and Marte and Rosario. They've made their, those moves, which I think they would be okay with it. They just kind of left their roster the way it was. Yes. But I mean, they seem like they're always wanting to get better, and they they don't they're not. I don't think they're finished yet, honestly. So I I think Chris Bryant could be an option there. I'm not saying that, that's not my ultimate prediction. I really think that Chris Bryant ends up working out a deal with with San Francisco. But another option I think would be is the Mets. I think that would be a good fit as well. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's got to be to the point that he's probably going to want to work with the Mets. I wouldn't even be shocked about it if he does. Because, listen, the Mets' reputation has been for so long since David Wright left and since Mike Piazza left and all these greats that played for them. But they don't, obviously, we understand they don't have a legacy like Jeter did. But if Chris Bryan ever did come to New York, Listen, you'd be catching me watching the Nets games if the Yankees ever gave me Ajita. That's true. I know. They, they, they sound like they're going to have a really good team, the Mets. Like, I know every year they kind of have those really high expectations and they kind of, you know, fall short how it was last year. They were in first place, like, the whole first half of the season and kind of just fell apart for them at the end. Yes. But, I mean, now, I mean, they brought in Brooke Showalter as a manager and made these moves already. For, like, Marte is the top center fielder on the market he was. And... They made some big moves, and and then like I mentioned, I think they're I, th- I don't think they're done yet. I think they'll be making more moves, so that that's going to be a competitive division too. Both East divisions, the AL and the NL, are just extremely competitive. Yeah, they really are. They were probably worse than than the West and the Central at this point because it's not only when you come here, it's like you go to sit, see City Field is just an embarrassment for the Mets. I feel like it's not even the team. I feel like it's the stadium. It looks like it's just embarrassing because if you see whoever built City Fields was just very, very, very low maintenance and should have made a better field, maybe to boost the the at least boost something in the team. Because I feel like, like, honestly, when they put the camera for SNY on these fans, they look so miserable. No, I see what you mean. With that too, I mean, you have to have a good stadium and you want to play well and stuff like that. That's something that could make an impact with the teams. And yeah. Talking about the Mets, I do want to go talk a little bit about uh, Michael Conforto, who has been yes. Mets for the last couple of years, and of course didn't have a great year at all. Recently, I know last year and stuff like that, he had a good 2020 during that short year, but like he kind of didn't really have a great year at all. Right. This past year in 2021, do you think he might be going coming back to the Mets? Even though I know he did the decl- did he? I'm pretty sure he declined that qualifying offer. He did, from what I read from a couple people um, that I do follow, that I actually do trust within the media, that he did decline a couple offers that they gave him. But I'm not entirely sure where he would go if he doesn't go back with the Mets. Um, Honestly, from off the top of my head, 
Um, I would not mind him if he went to the Braves. I do see him with the Braves for some reason. I don't know why. But um, is he a versatile player or does he just play one position? I mean, I know he's played a lot of right fields for the Mets, and I'm, he's only, he would only be an outfielder if anything. I mean, maybe he could play some left. And right. Maybe he could play like, multiple outfield positions, but I know it's just mainly outfield. But, okay. yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that could work out for the Braves. I mean, I know is a free agent he was obviously good for the for the Braves down the right. stretch but who knows if they bring him back so like if they don't bring him back then they need they need another outfielder I would say I mean I yeah Acuna coming back at some point but yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that's pretty realistic I don't I I would say that's that's definitely a possibility yeah because it's it's just like the way like the way it's set up I mean with Jock Peterson I do see him going back to Atlanta but then at the same time it's like he's He's more of a cloud type of player where he could play anywhere. Literally can play anywhere. Sometimes there's just these players that you don't see them in one uniform or you hate them in this uniform. And if you look at them again in this uniform, you're like, what is going on? Like, why is this guy here? That's what happened with me when the Dodgers traded Kike Hernandez. That still pisses me off. And it's the fact that that. it it just makes me gag because I can't even look at him now. But with Jock Peterson is the fact that you could just put him like like originally he was put in a banana suit. You could put the guy in a banana suit and have him play right field for a little league team and he'd still look better. There's not many guys like that anymore, to be honest with you, where you could just put them in a uniform and they'll still look good. That's true. And yeah, for Peterson, I mean, I think he'll end up going back to Atlanta. But another option I thought was maybe maybe back to, to Dodgers. I mean. Oh, I pray he does. And if he I does, cool. that would be good because I liked him there and I know he was a rookie there. Um, and he did very well with them. I wouldn't mind the Dodgers bringing him back, but like. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I'm weird. Just it out there as a possibility, but yeah, I'm not really sure. And also for Conforto, um, I have him going to another NL East team, which I think is um, the Phillies. I have a feeling he'll go uh, to yes. the Phillies. Just yes. because the Phillies, they have Harper, of course, as their right fielder. He's not obviously the best defender, but he's a, he's just your right fielder. And the, the last year, the they, the uh, McCutcheon was their left fielder, who is a free agent right now. And they had Odubel Herrera, who got a lot of time in center field after a kind. It was kind of like a uh, revolving door kind of the center field for the Phillies last right. year until a point. Right. So when the, and I don't think they're bringing Odubel Herrera back to play center field. So that's two open spots right there. And yes. We actually have Conforto going to the Phillies, and someone else who I thought would be going to the Phillies for a prediction is Kyle Schwarber. Yes. What do you think yes. of that? I do see Kyle Schwarber there. I really do because you need to get him out of Boston. I'm sorry. You just need to get him out of Boston, out of that city, out of Massachusetts, period. The man don't belong there. I don't know why Boston brought him in, period. You do not need Kyle Schwarber. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, you, he wasn't like the best like fit there. It's, it's, he's not a, he's not that great at first base. I mean, his main position was always like the outfield, and I know DH. He could DH as well. I mean, depending on we'll see if if they bring the DH back. Right. Like, I mean, to the to the National League. I mean, we don't know that, but right. I think either way, I could definitely see Schwarber as an option for the Phillies. I just think the Absolutely. Phillies, of course, look at the look at their division now. The Mets have made those moves. The, the Braves are coming off a World Series championship, and, the, and then they'll be getting Acuna back soon. So the Phillies need to make some moves if they want to kind of stay in that race for a while last year. So right. I think if they, and outfield is definitely their, their biggest issue or weakness right now, I would say. Yes. Yes. 
minus Bryce Harper, minus um, normally who they have out there, they do need an outfield. And I do think Kyle Schwarber would be vital for that team because they do need it. Because they don't have seat. At the end of the day, it's like no matter if you are national, central, or east, there's always people looking for for a versatile player and peop and a player who could literally stay on the field for that long. And I don't see why the Phillies would not try and give Kyle Schwarber an offer. But another thing about Schwarber too. Sorry to cut you off there, but okay. um, the way he helped out Bobby Dalbeck. Yes, with the, with the Red Sox because he's a veteran guy, another player who's won the World Series, right, with the Cubs a couple of years yes. ago. Yes, so he's another guy who has that knowledge and the, and the postseason experience. And not only can he help you with his own abilities, right, but he can help out young any young players you have coming up. Right, like, that's that's another, that's another benefit you have. The same kind of thing with Anthony Rizzo, Freeman, those guys that can help out the young players who are coming up. So yes, the Phillies, I think that would be. Just great for them all around. Of course, he can play some first base if he needed it. Not that he's a great defender over there, but his bat's just too good. So you'll figure out a way to get his bat into the lineup. And then just having him on that team in that lineup would be a huge boost to it. Yes, it would. It definitely would. And like, if I honestly see with with um, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, there's a with Nef- with Nelson Cruz. Oh yeah. I, I see. That's the thing. Like. To be honest with you, I don't like him with Tampa. I know it's like they think he's a good fit there, but it's just like, just dude, just retire already. He's just one of those players I feel like that just should retire if he doesn't sign back with Tampa, but he just doesn't look good in that Tampa uniform. It just totally bothers me. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was so used to seeing him on those on the Twins for those years. Yes, like it was kind of weird to see him move like in the move the, the, to the Tampa Bay. I yes, mean, I I think he will. I mean, I know he's like he's kind of getting older now, but I mean, I think he's I think he's shown that he can still play. I mean, if that depends on if someone offers him a contract and things like that. Yes, I, mean, I think a good realistic option could be the Mariners, especially after they lost Kyle Seager. Now, I yes, not, I mean, who knows if they were going to bring back. Kyle Seager anyway, but of course, then he retired, so that kind of was out of the I was out of the question, obviously. Yes. So I mean, I think Nelson Cruz would be a help to them. Of course, you know he has to go to an American League team to play to, to DH. So yes. I, I think that's an option that pops in my head as one of the, probably one of the most realistic. Uh, you, the Mariners, yeah, I could definitely see him there because it kind of see what with him is it kind of gives me a Pudge Rodriguez type of feel where he's just like you know where to bump him in the lineup if you need him. Tampa, uh, Tampa's just an embarrassment to Florida, period. I don't care what anybody says. Like, they say Tom Brady is. No, Tampa is. Because, to be honest with you, it's like, they make Tom Brady look like crap. I hate to even be honest about it, but they really do. And it's just like, it's to the point where, if you thought bringing Nelson Cruz was going to boost any ego you guys had, it's not working. Because you got rid of... um, what was the shortstop's name? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Willie Adamas? Yes. When they yeah. got rid of Willie Adamas, I was screaming with happiness because I hated him so much. <laughs> and now it's like I absolutely love him because I like him with Milwaukee. I felt like that was such a good fit. I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, of course, as, as Yankees fans, of course, you weren't you weren't the big, big biggest fans of his, I guess you could say. It's because, yeah. of course, in Tampa Bay, he was a good player for them. But then, yeah, no, I, th- I think that was a good move for him. And he ended up, I think, benefited from it as well. Yeah. It it honestly like he just became this different person. I'm trying to think of another player where they traded him and he became like this this new person. There was a couple of people where if they did trade him, 
um, specifically, or if they did trade them, they changed dramatically in a good way, not in a bad way. That's true. I feel like that happens a lot too. Like, you know, players who get traded and then they finally start playing well. I mean, someone, I, I think, of course, it's a little bit different, the situation, but Greg Bird, because, yes. I mean, of course, he hasn't really played in the major leagues much at, or at all since 2017 or 18 when he was with the Yankees last. But um, yes. I recently I've heard hey, he's been doing pretty well with the Rockies minor league team. I know in AAA, I'm sure. Okay. That's another player who I think like could be ben- could benefit from like the move to from another team. I like, sometimes you just need to change the scenery. Like sometimes yes. like you should, it's just like the way it is. I mean, no disrespect to these players, but sometimes just moving on to a different team, different atmosphere, different city could help these guys. And I think it could help. I think it could help a lot of players, especially coming from New York, man. That's a lot of pressure on you. That, yes. That could, that could really help you. It could really help you. It really does. It does help. And to be honest with you, I was like, and I even said to a friend of mine, because when I found out that Adamus got traded to Milwaukee, I screamed for 35 minutes. And my family was like, what the heck is going on with you? I was like, thank God Tampa Bay got rid of Adamus because I cannot stand him in a Tampa uniform. I'm sorry. I just can't because it, it just drove me insane, Julia, to the point where I had to see him every single time on my screen and I said and it's funny because I made this assumption I was like if he ever left he could be with Milwaukee because they do need shortstops they have Christian Yelich in the outfield which just signed a new contract with them specifically but it's it's like when you're trying to rebuild a team is difficult and I know Jeter's trying to do that with the Marlins but to be honest with you it's I do like Adamus with Milwaukee because he's cornered now. He's silent. Craig Council, he's very straightforward. He doesn't get into the chit chat with other managers and causes drama. Craig Council's just very straightforward. That's why I like the guy. And I was like, yeah, Willie Adamus needs a wake up call. You need to move him. So yeah, it was definitely with- it was definitely a good move too. And I think too. Um, it worked out really well for the, the Rays as well because they have Wander Franco now, a yes. star, really young player, a star stud. He will be. He already signed that contract for the next several years. Like he's going to be around for a while. And moving Willie Dames was able to open that door for him. So that's another kind of benefit of that trade. Yes. Yes. And going back to the Yankees having a shortstop, the Rays love to hit the infield. And most of their hits go right to the shortstop, especially Kiermaier, who I cannot stand for the life of me. But to be honest with you, if you're going to bring in a shortstop, he better know how to field against Kiermaier. Because Kiermaier knows how to make contact with that side of the field. Third base, you need somebody at strong third base. You just need it right away. You need somebody who's quick. And I understand DJ LeMayu and Gio Urshela will definitely be there. But you need somebody to help Urshela. You need a good shortstop because even Glaber knew Glaber could not play shortstop. That's true. I know Glaber. Yeah, I think that was kind of just like that kind of got experimented and kind of confirmed that he's better at second base. He seems 100% more comfortable at second comfortable. base. Right. And, he, that, and even so last year when he, when he made that permanent move back to second base like the last month or so of the season, his, his offense improved significantly. He batted like, I think it was like 320 for like the last like 30, 35 or so games. Yes. Of course, he had a rough year overall, defensively and offensively, but he had those bright spots. And a huge encouragement for the Yankees is that he was able to kind of return to a a really good hitter. I mean, he wasn't showing all the the power and stuff. That was a disappointment with the power. Yes. Overall, we saw how he improved, not only offensively, but defensively. Right. Moving over to second base. Yeah. So kind of like set the thing, okay, Glaber's your second baseman, so now we definitely need a shortstop. Like, now kind of like 
confirmed to the Yankees, okay, we definitely need a shortstop, and hopefully they get someone that's a great defender too because that's, that's just as important as the offense. Yes, yes, you need somebody who could be on both sides of the field, and to be honest with you, it's just to the point where if your big guys don't come up, see, I I was literally rooting for DJ LeMayu to try to come back, but I don't know, there was just, now we know why he wasn't performing is because of that sports hernia he had. Yeah, I know. He seemed like he was playing through that for a while, too. Yes. And finally, at that point, like at the end of the season, it caught up to him. It was really compromising his play. Like, once the playoffs came, that was a big blow for the Yankees, too. Right. Even even going back to, like, the playoffs, maybe DJ didn't have the best year, which seemed like it was a a big cause of it was the injury. Yes. You look at that wild card lineup, it's not the same at all. No. You see, like, the way, like, it was moved up with Anthony Rizzo. Wasn't he leading off? Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, see, Anthony Rizzo shouldn't have been leading off, period, and neither should have Brett Gardner. I thought Glaber should have bled off because that was the way the Yankees had it for that last series against Tampa Bay in October. Yes. They had Glaber leading off those couple games, and yes. I thought that worked out well. And when you think that you had DJ at the top of that lineup, and it kind of just like let every, everything else kind of fell into its place. But yes. Like without DJ, it was tough. But I thought if you would have had Glaber up there, yes. you could have had Rizzo second, Judge third, Stanton four, Gallo five. I just thought that would have the, the line would have been much deeper that way. Yes. I just, I just thought it would have been so much better. And yeah, that was a huge loss for DJ. Even even though he was wasn't at his best with the injury, like yes. even though he wasn't at his best, his presence in that lineup was important. It is. It's very much important. And not seeing him, especially with that thumb injury he had or that finger injury, not seeing him in that lineup was just so, like, it it was empty. It was, like, very weird. And to be honest with you, I know when he came here, he didn't even have a name. He was just like, I'm just here. I'm DJ. He didn't make himself this big name. He's not on billboards. We get it. He doesn't want to be on billboards. DJ's just that DJ is another Anthony Rizzo and a Chris Bryant who just want to play. Like they want to come and they want to play. They don't want a Gatorade contract. They don't want a contract with marshmallows. They don't want all these big name contracts. They yeah. just want to play. Yep. He's just like one of those guys who just go about their business every day. Day in, yes. day out, show up, get the job done. And maybe he didn't always get the job done with the injury and stuff with the, with the playing, but yes. he's just someone who was just, just focused on baseball. This yes. is someone that doesn't get distracted much, doesn't joke around, have all this fun, but he's just so focused and like, just so, he's like all business. He's just there. And yes. That's what I like about DJ. I like the way he goes about his business. Yes, I really do. And I feel like it's, the way with him is the fact that you wish there was a lot more players like DJ LeMayu where they could walk into the stadium, like even security guards. I know a couple of them were being interviewed um, randomly and they always said DJ just had this presence about him. Like he'd just walk in the stadium and he wouldn't act like he was a hothead. He just walked in, did his business and left. But he did it with like this class act that you just love. Like, you want to see that more with the Yankees, especially with the New York media. It's just, like, you need that. Yeah, you see that, you see that a lot now with, like, younger players who are just, like, these show-off type guys. That's what I don't like about Correa. Like, just, like, you see a lot shows of these young guys coming up now. Tatis, I mean, I think Tatis, I, I, like, he's, like, young and everything like that. But, like, I see, you see, you start to see more with these young guys coming up and, like, kind of, like, showing off like that. You need more, like you said, you need, we just need more players like DJ around in the way they just kind of focus on stuff. They don't. They don't backflip. They don't do all that. They just 
do what they have to do. Even with Judge yes. a lot, and you don't really see him backflipping or showing off or like you know like all that kind of stuff that they, these players do now. He was never a guy. He he he. At that time, a couple years ago in 2017, when he hit like his 15th home run to break the record or whatever, he like he he hit the ball, put the bat down, and ran. Put his head down. That's all he did. Just put his head down, drop the bat, and go. He never did it like show it off or anything. He just he's just a humble guy. Of these humble players out there. Yes, you really do. And to be honest with you, it's the fact that, like, see, with the with Judge doesn't need a grandstand. He doesn't need a Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris presence. He doesn't need a DiMaggio label. He doesn't need any of that. And to be honest with you, it's like I understand most of these players feel like they just need the grandstand. They need a section. Stanton didn't even have that in Miami. He was just an outfielder with, and he, like, when they split him and Christian Yelich up, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was really difficult because I know most Marlins fans weren't happy with that move, but I know Jeter made the move for a reason because he wants to build a stronger, younger team where he knows they could build with him. But it's like the, the, how Judge was in his rookie years, I understand you grow with baseball. But you cannot let baseball get the best of you. That's true. I know. And even just going back to the, to that Marlins outfield, just think about the outfield. Yelich, you have Stanton out there. You had Marcelo Zuna, who was really yes. good and stuff. Just think about that outfield that they really did have. And all three of these players are still playing and going strong, too. I mean, I guess not really Marcelo Zuna, the whole situation with him. But, like, you even think, like, Yelich is still a good player. Stanton yes. Is a good player. He, had another, he had a good year last year. Yes. I know the players that should have been helping out that young team. I mean, I do understand where Jeter's coming from and where the whole Marlins direction they want to go with Mattingly as the manager and things like that. They want us to get younger and everything. And I think eventually it will work out. Of course, it's been tough. Like, I have like, a lot of respect for these Marlins fans going through this huge rebuild, losing their, those really good players and things. But overall, I, I, think it, I think it'll end up working out really well for them because they have a lot of young studs. Like that guy, the pitcher, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. And they have a lot of guys, like a lot of encouraging players on that team. Yes. They have players that can build. And to be honest with you, it's just like, there's just parts of me that just wish, like, you could just walk into the stadium and be like, we're going to win a game type of feel. But now you got to worry about who has a camera where. Why do we got to worry about cameras? Mm -hmm. That's my problem. Like, now when you walk into Yankee Stadium, you got to worry about, oh, there's a camera here. Not when the old Yankee Stadium. Everything was built differently. So you didn't have to feel like one player was being put under pressure more than the other. We understand everybody's pressure or everybody's focus was on Jeter because it technically was in a sense, but Jeter just went about his business like DJ LeMayu does. That's what Judge needs to do. You need to forget your outside box. And I noticed Stanton started doing that when he started hitting better. He focused on who he was. He didn't focus on a boo. He didn't focus on all this other fan nonsense. If you go to the Yankees, just have a good preferable vision of who you want to be and who you want to come out to be. You don't want to retire as A-Rod. You don't want to retire as somebody who had this this bad media presence. You don't want to be that person. Because if you constantly feel like your, your own teammates are judging you based off of your media presence, you know you need to leave. 
or you know you need to box yourself in and be like, my teammates, if your teammates don't even like you, you know there's a serious issue. No, no, that's a good point. Actually, Sarah, I have a question for you. This, yes. this is, we're, obviously, we're off the topic right now, but I want to ask you. So with, with that being said about the whole A-Rod and Gina we were just talking about, do you see Judge as a captain of the Yankees anytime soon? Uh, well, considering how the lockdown is, um, uh, uh, I just want to see what you think. Like, do you think, do you think he has what it takes to be captain of the Yankees? Like, or do you think he's like, I mean, I know a guy who's been talked about was like Gardner would be a good captain, but now of course he's he's a free agent that who knows if he's even returning or he'll be back for another year. So obviously he can't be, but like, I mean, I know of course Jeter kind of, yeah, he handled the media very well and kind of just went about his business. I mean, Judge, I feel like Judge Gardner does a similar, I think he handles the media pretty well. Like, do you think he has like the tools? To be the next Yankee captain that can be in a couple of years from now? Uh, I do see it, but then there's a part of me that's like, you pray the guy don't fall off the hill. I don't want him to end up like how the movie 61 was where Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle were literally competing for a home run derby. I don't want to have him go through that type of media phenomenon that Maris went through. And I understand we're dealing with totally different generations. But if anybody saw the movie 61, Roger Maris was put under a load of pressure. And to be honest with you, I know Judge has. When when the home run derby, I feel like it really gave him this negative, positive type of media vibe. But... If they do put him there, the media, I'm telling you this right now, Julia, is going to kill him. The media is going to hound him. And it's he doesn't have, he's got a very strong mindset when he's on the field, but he's just got to drop the outside the door. That's what he needs to do. You need to go in like the offseason never happens. I understand with the lockdown, it's, it's it's bad on a lot of people. It's really, it, it just killed everybody. But to be honest with you, you need to go into a season how DJ LeMay goes into a season. Like, I'm going to come here to play. I'm not going to worry about Joe Schmo and Larry banging on my doorstep waiting for me to do something for them. Like, Judge needs to stop handing things to people. That's what I was trying to refer to. Stop being nice to everybody. Not everybody's going to be your friends. Not everybody's going to be on your side. Aaron, like you need to realize that not everybody is going to be out to get you, but not everybody's your friend. You have to treat people differently because that's exactly what Jeter did. Jeter had no mercy. He was like Cobra Kai. He literally had no mercy for people that didn't have mercy for him. That's true. I mean, yeah, going back to the whole judge thing, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like it'll be a lot of pressure on him. Like, let's say he was named captain, like after this coming this season, like. I just feel like that's like a lot of pressure and that, that can mess with someone. Like you saw Jeter the way he was and it was kind of like confirmed. Oh yeah. I mean, of course I know judge has proven he could, he could, he could play under pressure and is good with it under the pressure and, and good with the media. But I, I just feel like maybe now wouldn't be the best time, especially because the whole injury history. I know like a lot of the stuff wasn't his fault. Right. Like, I mean, I, I feel like I just want to, I just want to see him like put up another year or two like he did this year or like his 2017 season. And then like, yes. he's kind of like, he's kind of like the middle of like, Kind of similar to DJ Lemayu in a way because he kind of does like go about his business a lot and like he's not on social media a ton and all that kind of stuff. He's not so involved in that. 
But like, yeah. I, feel like he, I feel like he's also very like spoken in the clubhouse. Like I think he's a leader in the clubhouse. And I remember he would he would talk to the team after after these losing streaks and after they were struggling this past year. And he would yes. kind of like take that leadership role in a way, even though he wasn't, of course, obviously not named the captain. But I know that the clubhouse does have a lot of respect. For him. Yes. Like, you don't have to name a guy a captain to be a, for him to be a, be a captain of the team, really. Like he yes. doesn't need to be named and declared the captain. He still has that leadership role and he still has that respect. I mean, who knows if he'll ever be named that captain. But, I mean, either way, he's shown that he's a real leader in that clubhouse. He's been here through it all, really. He's been here through it all. Taking like Gary Sanchez and those guys who've been there since, like, 2017. When yes. They kind of, they kind of, yeah, he's kind of flipped from, like, the Mark Teixeira, A-Rod, Jeter era to this new core. Yes. Yeah, and it's gotten harder and harder by the minute, I know, for a lot of them. Like, even before Stanton came or even before when Stanton was there, it was just, like, it's, like, a different thing. But I feel like... If see, I like what the NFL does. They have more than one captain where if one falls off the bridge, you got the other one. So I feel like MLB should do that. Like they shouldn't just name one person captain or one player captain. I feel like they should name multiple. So I feel like maybe because I know the NFL has four or five, but I feel like MLB should just add maybe one or two or three. If you're going to put somebody who's got a strong mindset and it can go right in, put in Garrett Cole. Give him the C and just keep him in. Because he leads that that um, lineup, that whole bullpen. He leads that entire bullpen. If you want, let's say Judge falls off the track for some reason and he, feel like he, he feels like he's overwhelmed. Garrett Cole seems to be the only person that can get him back on it. Like, dude, no. Like, snap out of it. I don't care. I don't care what the media thinks about you. Like, you need to focus. That's what Garrett Cole does physically for the team. You need to have guys who are straight-faced like Cole and like Tyone and like DJ who need to be like, nope, you need to forget your family. You need to forget the fluff. You need to forget all that and realize why you're here. Because some person one day, you got a lot of these outfielders in the minor leagues that are willing to take your spot. You don't want to be a Cody Bellinger and have Gavin Lux take your position. That's a good point. Yeah, you even think that too. Yeah, those players that are coming up, they, they want your spot. Like, they want, like, they're like, fighting why, for it. Yep, and especially like with the Yankees, the team that hasn't won a World Series in so long, they want to win, most importantly. So, I mean, yes. you're up there. Like, I, I even think about like Aaron Hicks, who like hasn't, hasn't really been healthy at all. I mean, he, he missed a re- very significant amount of time last season, but like, a guy like that, if he's not healthy, someone will come up and take your place. Yes. And that's why they ended up beating the sign Gallo. I know Gallo didn't play center field like Hicks did, but he took over as one of those outfield spots, played, played a lot of left field for them and things. So, like, there's a thing. They're going to replace it. If it's not someone from, from your minor league system in, like, your, your – It's going to be Joey Gallo. Yeah, it'll be through a trade. Or they'll get someone to replace you somehow. Yes. And yes. Like, that's why I, I, think, I think Aaron Hicks, I think he has a lot to prove. Like, if he comes back healthy, I know he played in the, the Dominican League, in the winter, just just recently, and I mean, he has. He, I think he has to. He has to earn his spot back. It's yes. Like, they're going to have Gallo next year. They have Gallo, Stanton, Judge. You can fill the outfield with those three guys. I mean, I don't think Stanton will be playing outfield every day. I think they need to have him in the outfield. That's the problem. They need to have Stanton out there because you notice that right away. I even noticed that you put him in the outfield. He's batting better. You bench him. He's not going to be better at bat. I tell you that right now. You need to get the guy moving. I don't care if I have to billboard because I hate when they put Stanton on the bench. 
I know you want the universal DH thing to keep going, but Manchise ain't changing that rule for the American League anytime soon. American League, they don't necessarily have a strong pitching rotation, period, on any team. Like, you're getting, oh, it's either these guys are injured for the rest of the year, or you're going to have another Jacob DeGrom where he can't even finish a game. Or you're going to have, listen, I don't care how good the guy is. Mm-hmm. You, if, if you're going to have a situation where you're going to be another Aaron Hicks and be sitting on the bench. No, because John Carlos Stanton, he's got more than Hicks ever did in his entire career. No, I know. And like, I think, I think Stanton proved that he, he kind of played the outfield last yes. year. It's not like he was a bad defender. But like his hitting improve, his his hitting improving with that would be enough. But he was good in the outfield. Like he was, yeah. he, he made the plays he needed to make. He, he, I know he made a couple diving catches. Like he's good out there. He was always good out there with Miami. And the yes. whole thing, the Yankees can't baby him because I think it's been proven that like the way he was like he was de aging every day. He's not moving enough. He's not involved in the game enough. Yes, and I think yeah. I mean, maybe not happen. Of course, if you DH it like once a week or something like that, if you want to like get him off his feet once in a while, like yes, not like don't have him out there like every single day like you do like with Judge a lot. But like, I think he should be out there a lot. And if you can have Stan in the outfield, you can even have keep a guy like Luke Boyd. Like, let's say the Yankees sign sign Freeman or or Rizzo, whoever they get to play first base. You can keep Boyd and have him DH because yeah, Boyd he's a good hitter. I mean, he's proven that when he's healthy, he's a good hitter. He's not yes. a great fielder. But if you had Stan playing playing the outfield consistently, you could have Voight as your DH consistently. And I think that I think the best lineup for the team, the best like offensive lineup, would be having Stan in the outfield because then you can use that DH spot in multiple different ways. That's technically what it is. And I feel like anybody in the Hall of Fame or who has ended up in the Hall of Fame ended up there for a reason. And you don't want to be the guy that leaves MLB looking like a shoulda, coulda, woulda. No. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that type of person. You want to be that type of person that's going to help carry the team to however many World Series like Jeter did and like Teixeira did and like specifically like Mariano did, to be honest with you. The only person on that team I see if they have one bad week and they come back is Garrett Cole. He comes back exactly how he left. And to be honest with you, it's like he knows when he has those bad days. You got to know your body, you got to know your mind, and you got to physically put yourself before anyone else. That's just how it is. If you're not having it all together, fans can see when players don't have a good day. We could see it right away, especially in New York. And to be honest with you, DJ got the best, the fans got the best of DJ this year, and I could definitely see why, but now we know why. But to be honest with you, even Garrett with that hamstring thing he had going on, he didn't let the fans affect him. He didn't let the media drag him down. He didn't let it, anybody do that. He You're just right. came back, and he came back better. That's what yeah. Judge needs to do. You need to forget the clouds in the sky. You need to stop letting everything distract you. Yeah. And you need to just focus on you. That's why Stanton got all this booing nonsense going on the past couple years, except for last year, because it was just he let everything get to him. You can't let everything get to your head. Yeah, you, you, and, you can't listen to those boos. You hear you say them booing for you, you. You can't let it get to you. And yeah, the way that the, and the fans were very frustrated, especially when he came over. Of course, he had that solid, that pretty solid year for the Yankees in 2018, which was his first year since the trade. But yeah, in 2019, he played like 18 or so games, something like that. In 2020, didn't really play much. So like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th- I think at that point, yeah, he had all these expectations. So that's what it depends on, like, on these players' expectations. If you come in with no expectations, they're not going to boo you. 
Even that's like what Reggie Jackson said, fans don't boo nobodies. So you show Stanton's a star player. And when he's not performing, everyone gets mad. They won't blame, blame him and they won't blame Judge if he's not performing well. But yeah, Judge has to do the same thing kind, kind, kind of with that. I mean, not like, yeah, Stanton needs to do it as well. Like, not let that get to him. Cole does a great job with that, like you mentioned. And also, yes. Now, I just I just want to get, get get back to our predictions that we have here. I know we have a couple okay. of players left. So, yes. Um, a couple pitchers, actually. We have um, Clayton Kershaw. Okay. Do you, see him, do you see him anywhere but L.A. again? Um, I don't see him anywhere but L.A., but I don't know if L.A. is going to give him that long-term thing because he's had his own set of injuries where it's affected him and kept him out for these good games where you need to have Kershaw pitch. But to be honest with you, I hope L.A. does bring him back but might bring him back as a person who's only going to pitch one maybe two days out of the week or however they have him in the rotation. They just need to be careful with him if they bring him back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's had injury history. He's been injured a lot the last couple of years. He is, of course, he's been around for a long time, but, like, I just can't see him anywhere but the Dodgers. And I think he'll – I mean, I think if, like, let's say the Dodgers don't want to give him much money or don't want to give him, like, too long of a deal or a multi-year deal, I right. think he'll have to end up settling for something. Yes. I, mean, I, I mean, I just don't see him anywhere – but LA, I, th- I think the Dodgers will end up bringing him back. Of course, that's whenever this lockout ends. But yeah, I think he'll be back, even though I know with the injuries and stuff. But he's just someone he kind of proved himself too as a successful like um a, a postseason pitcher back in, like last year, but back in twenty twenty. Like yes, he's kind of yes. like he kind of like like went over that came over that, came over that hump, and he was kind of like he was doing well for them. I think you got to remember that, and I think you'd be like, okay, you got to bring back that guy. Yes, um, with with. Zach Renicky, it's it's just weird with him. I feel like he should just stay with Houston because I can't see him with another team. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, with I mean, me, I I it's it's weird at the same time. But like the way he is, I just don't see. This is the thing. It's like if I I can't see myself liking you, I just won't like you at all. But like at the same time, like I think he should just stay with Houston. That's just my prediction. I can't really say much about him because he doesn't. It's it's just to the point where whoever Houston trades or brings in, that reputation is gone for all these players. Yeah, it's I, I, I so see that. it's yeah. just bad. It's just, and I feel bad for these minor league guys because some of them they just want to play. They don't want to have to be on a team where the reputation is just gone. I know. No, you're right. I feel like that too. And yeah, I mean, Grinky, well, he's been with the A's, I mean, not the A's, the Astros for the last, like, what, three or four years, I'm pretty sure, right? It's been for a couple so. years. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, yes. I, I can see him going back there. I mean, another option that I did put for my prediction was um Philly. I think he I think he might be a good option. I, right. The Phillies, even though he said it'll be tough. I feel like you've seen him a while in Houston that you, you can't really see him other places. I mean, of course, he played for other teams, but I think. I mean, I, I just think that the leadership, of course, he's been around for a long time. I just I just saw him as a fit for the Phillies. I mean, they have a, they have a, a pretty solid rotation. You know, they have Aaron Nola, who's okay, and they have Zach Wheeler at the top, who's actually really good. So I mean, yes. I feel like there's a couple of guys that have question marks towards the end of the rotation that I think Zach Greinke could be a, a, a decent option for them. I do see that, too, because I feel like he needs a different mindset. Like, the, like going back to Willie Adamas, needed to change teams. There's guys that are on this one team where you feel like their mentality is just not like you. they need a change. But I feel like Zach Renicki is one of those where if you do trade him, I would trade him to the Phillies because he's going to have a different mindset. He's going to be like, I'm not with this team anymore for X, Y, and Z reasons. 
he's if he ever wants to get any better, he wants to get everybody out of his head and he wants to have a clean slate, trade him somewhere where the reputation is not it's not tarnished. And yeah, Philly's not one of those teams. Yeah, especially I think Philly, like that's not like the biggest market team. Like, of course they have yes. to have a couple solid players, JT Romito, Hoskins, a couple solid players who have big names, but overall it's not like a big market team. That, yes, I think, that, I think that would help him overall. I, yes, I, I have. I'm, I just have a feeling that that would help him go into one of those smaller market teams. And the Phillies just pop into my mind as a good one. And, yes. Um, so the last, the last picture that we have, or the last player we have on this list is Carlos Rodon. You know, yes. He's played for the White Sox. Uh, in the last yes. couple of years he's been with them. Where do yes. you see him? Um, uh, to be honest, like refresh my memory. Is he more of a versatile player, or does he play one position? Well, he he he, uh, he he's like a, ro- a rotation guy. He's a starting pitcher. So okay. Like, so I mean, last year he played he played he played pretty well. He played like a lot of games. I mean, before that he had a lot of injuries, things like that. That's like a little bit of a concern. Like I remember, I know last year the um the White Sox kind of like took it easy with him, kind of yes. like giving him day- days off in between things. Like maybe giving him six or seven days off at points instead of the normal five. I mean, for me, I actually I can actually see him going to the Yankees because I know right before the lockout or. Right, right. They were thinking During, about it. Yeah, they were interested. They showed interest in him, so that's why I, I think because I, I remember even hearing about Justin Verlander how the Yankees offered him one year, twenty five million, reportedly. I mean, I'm, I'm not confirming that, but that's something that I heard that before he ended up signing with Houston. But like the Yankees made an offer for a guy, and who is Justin Verlander? He's a veteran guy. He's been around for a while, has had success, and of course. Rodon, Rodon, he's like he's a solid pitcher. I mean, he he had the success last year, had the results more, and I just feel like he would be a good option for the Yankees because the Yankees need another. I guess like they just need another rotation guy. They had Kluber last year, who ended up not really working out with the injuries that he ended up going through. But I just for them to have made a made a push for Justin Berlin and offered him a contract, I think right. another a similar guy could be Carlos Rodon. Yes, I do see him there. Like even if they want to put him. In in even because sometimes starting pitchers will go through if they feel like they're being put under pressure in a starting position, they can move them to relief pitching. I've seen a couple people do that. I think Mariano Rivera before he became a closer, he was a relief pitcher. Yeah, he at was. one he point, was a setup, he was a setup man at a point. Yeah, I think, what was his name? Butland, I think that was his name a while ago. Yes. Yeah, before he ended up becoming a closer, and look how good he he turned out. Yes. A lot of times, a lot of times relievers aren't don't come up as relievers. Even Chapman. He came up as a starter, and then it didn't work out. Then he moved to the bullpen, and then he found a spot as a closer. And the same type of thing, Jonathan Loisica, Chad Green, guys who were starters at first, who end up kind of flourishing in a role with the, in the bullpen. Yeah, like you don't like he's not like you you sign a player to be a reliever or something like that. They kind of end up that way. So even someone like him, he could be someone who's a low relief guy. That's what I'm saying with Rodon. I feel like he could be the relief guy, and if you want to put him as a closer, put him as a closer. But you can't forget about Clay Holmes. That's another person you really oh, want in that rotation. He was just unbelievable. Like, literally, I think there was some fans in the stadium that literally called him the pitching LeMayu. Because he was <laughs> DJ in a pitcher's position. That's literally what he was. You're right. You're right. He was like a low-key type guy. I mean, he, he, um, I actually just wrote, a, wrote, a, wrote up about him yesterday about how, yeah, when he came over from, Pitts, from Pittsburgh back during the yes. trade deadline, he was yes. never known as a successful pitcher. I mean, he had good, he had good stuff and he kept the ball on the ground, gave up ground balls, didn't give up a lot of home runs or anything like that. But he yes. really had the results. Like you saw his numbers, his he had a, like a five point five ERA in his career, like the last couple of years with the Pirates. And he comes over and he's just absolutely dominating. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, he was because I didn't even know who he was. And I was like, wow, he just became like this rotation guy that Matt Blake and at least Boone could lean on. But now I feel like, see, everyone put the blame on Matt Blake last season. It's not Matt Blake. The pitching was fine. If if anything, Matt Blake was the one good spot of this team and the one good coach that they had. Yes. Because look, they, they got rid of Phil Nevin. They got rid of their first base They coach, cleaned Wilson. out the coaching staff. And, and I even, feel like you yeah. needed that. Because I understand, like, when they cleaned out the coaching staff, it was like a, a breath of fresh air. Because now you you have you have um Luis Rojas at third base. You have these new pit you have the pitching coaches that are seemingly doing well. Once you have the pitching coaches and the hitting coaches in the same boat, you'll dominate. I guarantee you that right now. Because your hitting coach, this is the thing with the hitting coaches, is if you want a really good hitting coach, you need somebody who's got a good mindset who knows how to fix players. Now, I understand there's some players offensively who feel like their bat is fine, but your bat's really not fine. If you want to fix the one thing I know for a fact is that Judge needs to stop swinging at air balls. And when you have a good hitting coach that's going to tell you that, and I feel like these minor league hitting coaches, because I know the Yankees brought up their minor league hitting coaches to the major league level. They wanted to stay within the system. I totally understand that. Yeah. yeah. Overall, but maybe they can help them. That's true. I thought that was actually a good move. I mean, you think, okay, you thought that the Yankees would get one of these bigger name guys. But, I mean, if you look at the, the numbers across the board in the Yankees minor league system last year. They, they were, were good. Great. They, were, they good. were really I good. I know. That's what you're saying. You you see that right within your organization. Well, something easy that was able to be done with this whole lockout situation, too. And you yes. saw how good these minor league guys were. And those are guys you, you, that you're really working with because they're not major league players yet. They're guys that are still working on their swing. I mean, as all players are, are still trying to improve their swing and improve their, like, their offense overall. But, like, especially minor leaguers are trying to – Get, get to the major leagues. Yes. So those are the players that you really have to tweak and things like that. So yes. I thought that was a great idea for the Yankees, actually, to see work from within. I mean, we'll see how it works. I mean, if it doesn't work, then you'd be like, okay, you can move on from that. But yes. overall, I thought that was a smart move from them, considering how good the minor league system was and how good those those hitters were. Even Anthony Volpe is the one. How he just totally broke out. He had an unbelievable year, especially yes. offensively. And yes. if you look at that, and you, Yankees saw, okay, look how – Good. I think his name is what Dylan Lawrence. I think is the head guy, something like yes. that. I could be wrong, but that's that'll be the new head coach for the Yankees. And I thought that was a great idea, just to bring in these these guys who have proven that they that in the in the exact same minor in the same organization that they were able to succeed like that. So I thought that was a good move for the Yankees. And yeah, Matt Blake. I don't think he was never a problem. I think Matt, no. Matt Blake. They think that's one of the few guys that they kept. And Matt yes. Blake, the rotation and the bullpen overall very good le- last year. They yes. Had, let's think about what the rotation was during spring training. It was Cole, and he had a bunch of question marks. He had Kluber. Was he going to stay healthy? Tyone, who hasn't pitched in two years, came off t- Tommy John surgery for the second time. Then you have Montgomery, who hadn't played a full season yet worth of games since his rookie year in 2017. Yes. And these guys never proved themselves. And you have Domingo Herman, who had that whole situation happen with him, or Davey Garcia, who wasn't good with the, in the minor leagues last year. Yeah. Well, it was Cole and the question marks. And look how good they ended up turning up, turned out to be. Tyler yeah. was solid. You had Kluber. I mean, of course, he, he, got, he, was on, he wasn't healthy at a point, but he threw that no-hitter. Look how good that he, he was good for several starts. And yes. Montgomery was good. He gave up, like, 
consistently Jordan Montgomery I feel like he improved a lot because you know what it is I think he went to Matt Blake and said I want Cole in on my pitching um my bullpen sessions once they put Cole in those bullpen sessions you just know right away that these pitchers even the minor league guys when they brought them up because look at Luis Heal he had Cole sit in on two of his bullpen sessions this kid was dominant you just needed the offense this is going back to the batting rotation. You need the batting rotation to match with the pitching rotation. If it does not match, you know there is an issue. And sometimes the issue is not with the players. Sometimes you feel like the batting coaches are the problem. And that's what it was. The batting coaches, Marcus Timms, now he's with the Marlins. Let's see how he does there. But yeah. to be honest with you, sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's crowd noise. Sometimes it's it's these players, once you have something wrong with them, you need to fix it. Because if you don't fix the problem, the father the, the literally the problem accumulates to something bigger where you go into the postseason and your rotation is not solid, you will not dominate. Period. It just shows how like you, like I feel like yeah, you hear pitching wins championships, like the importance is the pitching. And you saw even like how the Yankees losing in the wild card. Cole wasn't good. Bad. And when you see your ace like pitched that poorly. He only went two innings. That just sets a, a poor, very poor tone for the game. I know the offense should have, it could have came back and things like that. You blame the offense as well. I mean, pitching is what wins the championships. What you have to have a solid, a solid right. one, two, three, four, even especially a one, two, three in your yep. rotation to succeed in the playoffs and go deep into the into the playoffs. And yes, that's why it's, it was so surprising to see. I was surprised how good the the pitching was. That the whole pitching staff for the Yankees as a whole last year, even the bullpen. You think. Luizica, how good he turned out to be. He he was never never that successful. I mean, he had the, he had the tools, he had the velocity, and then right. he he made a little simple tweak to his arsenal. Started throwing. So I think he started like he didn't throw as many fastballs and threw another a secondary pitch more. And look how good he became. And the same thing with Clay Holmes. He started using his sinker more, and he all of a sudden he never had control in his career. Really, he was always he walked a lot of batters. Clay Holmes, and look how good he became. So that's only in two months with the Yankees working with with Matt Blake. Yes. That's yes. why. That's why now you have to focus on the hitting because he, I, right now with Matt Blake, you shouldn't really be too concerned about no. the rotation and, and the bullpen. What you have to improve is the offense and the position players. That's what you need to yes. improve on. Yes, that's what definitely needs to improve because if nothing is clicking there, and even because huh, Gary Sheffield was very, very, very vocal about the offense for the Yankees, even his son, Junior, huh, they were very vocal. Very vocal. Like, they need help. This team needs help. There was a lot of people, even Don Mattingly had been asked a couple questions. Even Jeter itself was asked a couple questions. You gotta be on top of these guys. CeCe screamed at everybody like a freaking crazy man. Like, what are you doing? You have all these good guys. You need to get your head out of your butts and realize you have a championship team in front of you. You gotta put them in when necessary. You don't do that, and you let a relief pitcher go too long, you screw up the game. This mm-hmm. is why we lose pointless games against pointless teams. No, because I mean, it's just it's embarrassing. And these Hall of Fame guys will even tell you, you cannot win these postseason games without your offense moving. Pitching does not do everything. You need the pitcher to start off. I totally get it. But if your pitcher cannot go more than two days, you know something's wrong. 
That's true. And even I, I think about Andrew Heaney, how the Yankees used Andrew Heaney, Aaron Boone, bringing him into games when he shouldn't have been pitching. Right. Started becoming, I remember that one game against the um, Orioles. They were losing by, Yankees were losing by a couple runs. I think it might have been like two It's embarrassing to be losing yeah. against the Orioles. No, no, well, this is the, this game they were losing, and they bring in Heaney thinking he's like kind of throwing away the game, boom. Yes. You know, they were losing by two or three runs. Yes. And then, then Heaney gives up four runs, and then in the ninth inning, the Yankees tore like two or three runs, and they would have won that game if it wasn't for Heaney giving up those runs. Right. That's what it's I'm like, saying. But, it's retaliation off of the score. It's the fact that that's why you have guys like DJ and Clay Holmes and 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 Cole getting pissed off in the dugout because what are you doing? I Especially know. the game with Jordan Montgomery, he ruined it. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Why? I know you're right. And even um, so Sarah, I just wanna um, we'll end up talking about the Hall of Fame in another episode just because this one's gone a little bit longer than I thought, which is good though. It was a really good conversation, but okay. um, I want to leave you with one one question. So. I want, this is it's obviously early, but I want to hear what your World Series prediction is. Like, what teams will be playing in the World Series next year? Um, well, to be honest with you, if the Braves do bring back Freddie Freeman, they could dominate the NL East. So I wouldn't mind seeing them back in the World Series. But listen, the Yankees are always in contention of having a World Series run every sure. single season, and they always come up lost as hell. So to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind a Yankees-Braves World Series. I wouldn't mind that. It wouldn't be a bad thing. But at the same time, you can't leave the Giants out of it. You just can't leave the San Francisco Giants out of it. Their pitching rotation is very good. And I understand their hitters because Brandon Belt was injured for a good chunk of the postseason. And that's what killed the Giants for not going through to the World Series. The, The Giants itself, I feel like the Giants... You can't really leave them under the radar. They're just that good. No, no, they've really proved that they were winning what 106 games last year, something yes. like that. Yes, Crazy. no, very good year. And um, for my predictions personally, yeah, I, I mean, I have the Yankees in, making it to the World Series. Like, this is, that's another team you really can't count out. Especially, I'm just thinking about like the past and like how many, like how much this team has gone through. Especially guys like Judge and Sanchez who have been there since 2017 when they lost yes. and they made that huge run. So I'm just thinking about all the times this team like lost and how frustrating it was. And even yes. Judge vocally saying how frustrating it was. So I just I think like, as long as they make some some good moves, they definitely have to make good moves. Like right now, their their roster, honestly, I'm saying as a Yankees fan that I don't think they're going too far. But no. if they make the moves they need to make, which of course now that's why these are early predictions, nothing is set in stone, obviously. But um I just I think the Yankees will make that World Series and I, I can I see the Padres making it for the National League. As a team, I just think the same thing kind of went through a heartbreak last year, not making it into the playoffs at all when they really had a lot of expectations on them. They have a solid team overall. And again, maybe make some moves. Of course, I know they were in in with Max Scherzer, but never got him. He went to the Mets. But I I think for them, I think that's another team that that you can't count out. And you got to think about these players. These are are humans. They went through heartbreak last year and tough things. That's what the Yankees went through a lot. And that's of course it sucked to see them do, do so bad and the Padres have be having a good season and it kind of fell off at the end. But you have to realize that that's only going to help them for the future. Yes. That's why yes. I, I that's my prediction. I know it's it's very early for this. We'll we'll come back to this in, in a couple months or so and see how our predictions were were and stuff and see if we should edit them before the season really begins. But yeah, that's my prediction. And um, yeah, so I mean, we were going to talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit, but I think that's, that'll be good for a separate episode along with some other topics. I thought this one about the free agent predictions was a really yeah. good conversation, Sarah. Yes. I want to thank you again for joining on to the podcast. Maybe, Absolutely. Uh, 
maybe in a couple days we could do another one. Maybe maybe during this week sometime, get get on for another episode. We can talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit, which is coming up soon. The whole thing with like the ballots and all that. So yes. we'll talk about that a little bit soon. But again, I want to thank you all for tuning into the first episode of 2022. That was a really fun episode. Let me know what you thought. I think in the comments or on Instagram, I'll be posting this on Instagram as well. So yeah, let me know. Sarah, thanks again for joining. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time.